Put the key in the car, turn the ignition, and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Well, here we are, the final piece to our strange yet somehow familiar tale. If you listeners will permit it, this narrator shall do her best to refrain from internalizing any of the events that she must now describe for you. She, even if haunted by what is to come next, will do all that is in her power to use the good graces of objectivity and rational thought to avoid any emotional connection to the characters in this tale especially those for which she is most concerned, Geppetto and Pinocchio, father and son. Even though she is aware of the ending and how we will get there, your narrator will do her very best to maintain a constant emotional level. Conclusions, however, are often rooted in their beginnings. And if you've been listening, you no doubt know how this will play out. For these tales of fathers and sons have a way of revealing something in us all. For what is usually silent in the father often speaks through his son. Such things reveal buried secrets about a patriarch. Chatterbox Audio Theater presents Pinocchio, based on Carlo Collati's original text, adapted for adults by Kyle Hatley. Book 3, Fathers and Sons. Chapter 11. How it was that Geppetto befriended a hemp doll and stole the devil's boat. The old man nailed a long triangular-shaped piece of wood to the bottom of what looked like the hull of a ship, which rested on the sand of a beach at the edge of a great forest with humongous, skyscraping trees. The ship wasn't large, perhaps the size of five beds in length and three in width. He wore an eye patch on his right eye and hobbled awkwardly around on a wooden crutch. He looked tired. He should be tired. He'd been working all through the night. He wiped sweat from his old brow and looked up at the sun, which was now burning hot in the late morning. He could see by glancing at his forearms that he was burned from the great star. But he had much work to do, and the faster he worked, the sooner he could launch but he wouldn't be alone in his voyage into the sea. Suddenly, he could smell something quite pungent wafting from the forest. It was a familiar, bittersweet smell with the sting of something thick and putrid. What is that smell? He looked and saw at the top of the forest's canopy plumes of colorful smoke billowing into the sky. Geppetto? Oh, oh, you, you startled me, Master Jiminy. A few yards back, the old man could see a red cricket standing atop one of the chopped-up trees he'd been using for lumber. How much longer? Oh, another hour or so. Good. I asked the doorman to bring you some water. That's much appreciated, Master Jiminy. Let us say we will set sail in two hours' time. But we don't know where we're going, sir. When Daudry and his buffoons launched last evening, which direction did they sail? Due west. Then we head due west. 
Follow the traitor, and you'll find the treasure, Geppetto. The old man nodded and looked again at the plumes of smoke rising from the forest. Uh, what is all that smoke? But the cricket had disappeared. The old man looked once more at the smoke. Its colors were brilliant. Reds, purples, yellows, and greens, beautifully set against the backdrop of the perfect blue sky. Exhausted, the old man sat down on a block of wood to rest. His broken toes were throbbing, and his right eye socket burned. He flipped up his eye patch and thumbed inside the socket to soothe it. Just then, he heard something in the brush at the edge of the forest. Geppetto quickly spied with his good eye where the noise had come from, but nothing made itself present. Hello? Um, doorman? Nothing. Nothing was there. Perhaps it was the sun causing his mind to play tricks on him. He was thirsty, and perhaps dehydration was setting in. But then... He heard it again! Hello! Who's there? The old man stood up, grabbed his crutch, and hobbled slowly towards where he thought he heard the noise. As he approached, he couldn't be certain which bush it came from, so he stopped and waited. And after a moment, he heard it again. Just in front of him, Geppetto saw leaves from a bush move, realized it was being watched, and so stopped. The old man dropped his crutches and charged, broken toes and all, at the bush. He leapt like a madman into the leafy plant, screaming. I got you! I got you! Get off me! Get off! You're crushing me! What the devil? Geppetto, clutching on to a very strange object, rolled out from the brush and into the sand, and there, in his hand, was a tiny boy made out of hemp. The boy's body was of a dirty blonde color, and he was quite light to hold, but the expression on the boy's face was rather upset. Let go of me, you dirty old man! Why, you're... you're... One of them? One of what, you nasty old jerk? Why, one of the lost souls, of course. I thought... But I thought you'd all escaped. Well, let's just say I wasn't in the right condition to be escaping anywhere last night. I, uh, was a little stoned. Maybe it was the generational gap, or maybe it was the fatherly instinct kicking in, but Geppetto suddenly frowned with disappointment. Why on earth would you be doing that at your age? Oh, come on, man. I'm made of hemp. Little boys shouldn't be getting stoned. Oh, yeah. The next thing you're going to tell me is we shouldn't be having sex, neither. What? <laughs> of course not, young man. Listen, old guy, I ain't going to be a virgin the rest of my life. That's why I got to get to Pleasure Island. Get to... where did you say? Pleasure Island. It's where they all escape to. Do you know how to get there? No. Only Bandit did. Who's Bandit? One of the other lost souls. He's the one that planned the escape. I just forgot which night it was supposed to happen, so yesterday I just smoked myself. You see? Drugs lead you nowhere. You try being trapped in a cage all fucking day, every day for a year, and see if you can go 24 hours without lighting up. Oh, fuck, man. What happened to your eye? Well, it was removed by a red cricket. You saw the red cricket? You know of him? He's... he's... I, I know, he's looking for all of you. He's making me build him a vessel. Why? To find Pleasure Island. No! No way, man! You can't build that boat! If I don't, 
He's going to harm my son. He's going to harm your son anyway, man. No, you have to, you have to like, drill a hole in it or something and sink that fucker to the bottom of the sea. You can't pull one over on the devil. What are you talking about? You can totally wreck the devil. He's just as fallible as man. And besides, it doesn't matter. You can't believe a thing that asshole says. The best thing for you to do is run as far away as you can and as fast as you can. What is your name, little one? Pepper. What's yours? Geppetto. You're Pinocchio's father. The old man's brow crinkled and his eyebrows lifted. A feeling of great comfort washed over Geppetto's body. You... you... you know my son? Uh, yeah. He's a nice guy. A little lame, but nice. Is he... is he all right? As you wish. Oh, shit. Please, let me go, sir. Please, they're coming. If they see me, they'll burn me. Or it's just the doorman bringing water. Here, hide in my satchel. Thank you. Thank you. The hemp puppet crawled inside Geppetto's carpenter satchel and pulled the flap shut. Geppetto picked himself up off the sand just as the doorman broke through the veil of the forest, holding a pail of water. Water for the carpenter. Oh, thank you. Uh, just uh, leave it there on that stump. Master Jiminy wishes to know when you will be finished. Oh, I just spoke with him. He, he said we set sail in, in two hours' time. Very good, sir. The doorman set the pail down on a stump of wood. Just then, a breeze hissed in from the sea and wafted that same bittersweet smell off, this time more potent than the last. Geppetto realized the doorman reeked of it. Uh, doorman, what is the smoke rising from the forest? We're burning the elders. And with that, the doorman disappeared back into the forest. Once the coast was clear, Geppetto lifted the flap of his satchel. You see, man? That's what the cricket does with all souls. He fucking burns them, especially the elders. Cruel, sick bastard. Pepper, I'm going to need your help. Um, okay. You know anything about carpentry? I can swing a hammer. Good. We've got two hours before the red cricket comes back, and I want to be an hour at sea by the time he does. Holy shit. You're going to steal his boat. Would you rather the cricket came along? Fuck no. Well, then let's get to work. Chapter 12. How it was that the lost souls would come to know pleasure. Or how it was that Pinocchio would learn a dark secret about the island. Pleasure Island was the kind of place that every young person dreams to experience because it was the kind of place they are not allowed to experience. On every corner there were bars, brothels, clubs with music, dancing, and drugs. Down every road were markets loaded with foods, salty and sweet. There were brown ales, black ales, pale ales, even green ales. There were cigars, cigarettes, hookahs, tobacco for smoking and chewing. There were prostitutes, men and women both, all with features to fit your preference. There were sex stores and fetish clubs and rooms, whole corridors even for orgies. There were games and rides and circus acts and zoos and swimming pools and people walking on stilts. There were firing ranges and a field for shooting and blowing up targets. There were caves for exploring and rivers for skinny dipping and mountains for climbing. There were toys and playgrounds and marching bands and sports arenas. But the best part of it all, there was no work. There was no studying. There was no religion. There were no parents or adults or teachers or police officers. There were no rules. And everything was free. 
Lost souls stumbled through the streets, drunk and laughing. Some of them would stop into an alley for a moment, double over and vomit onto the cobblestone ground. And then, because their stomachs were empty, they'd scurry off into another alehouse to continue consuming. One such soul bumped into Pinocchio as he laughed and wiped the mess from oh, his lips. Hey, watch where you're going! Pinocchio! Pinocchio! Pinocchio stopped, recognizing the voice, and saw Atticus inside an alehouse called Hooligan's Hideout. The cloth doll was leaning out the window, holding a huge goblet of dark ale, which sloshed all around as he spoke. There you are. We've been looking all over for you. Come in, come in, drink with us. The wooden puppet, whose mind had been plagued by the secret shared by the great owl in the forest the night before, decided a distraction might do him some good. And so, he entered Hooligan's hideout. I, I want more. I wish every day could be like this. It's my This is my favorite. Hey, stop. I wish They were all there, Jasper and Lilith, who rushed over to hug the wooden puppet. Oscar, who sipped a large glass of scotch, was so drunk his eyelids were half shut. Bandit, who sat slightly apart from the group, raised his glass slightly. And Pandora, well, she was busy looking for her jaw after it fell off again when she saw Pinocchio. Atticus, drunkenly approaching him, put his arm around him and led him to the table. Where the hell have you been, man? We've been looking all over for you. What are you talking about, Atticus? We haven't left this bar since we arrived. Oscar, you're, you're drunk. <laughs> Truer words never spoken. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get you a drink, Pinocchio? Sure, Jasper. What would you like? Um, I'll have whatever Atticus is having. I'll get it for you. I don't think so, Lilith. I'll get it for you, Pinocchio. Um, thanks, Pandora. Oh, believe me. It's my pleasure. Pandora shot an angry look at Lilith, who narrowed her eyes back at Pandora. Jasper, having seen this exchange, leaned over to Pinocchio and told him softly, I think my sister has a crush on you. And then, Jasper noticed something different about Pinocchio. Oh, your nose. It's different. Um, yeah. What happened? You lied. This was the first word Bandit had spoken since they arrived at Pleasure Island. Oh, I'm sorry, Pinocchio. Hey, Pinocchio! You didn't answer my question, man. Where have you been? Socrates and I were looking after Miriam. Her leg was torn pretty bad. Yeah, it looks pretty ugly. Is she okay? She'll be fine. Here's your ale, Pinocchio. Thank you, Pandora. I would... I would like to propose a toast. No! I would like to propose a toast. Without warning, Oscar elbowed Atticus in the face. As I was saying, I would like to propose a toast. The lost souls of Daudry's dungeon raised their glasses. To all of us, and our epic, successful escape. Here, here! To Bandit and his ingenious plan of escape. Here, here! To Pinocchio! and his heroic rescue of Miriam and Socrates. Yeah. Oscar paused a moment as he remembered something. His glass lilted slightly with the weight of his next toast. To Razzle. May he finally find peace. To Razzle. May we all find peace. 
And may Daudry never find us again. Cheers! Cheers! Atticus, woozy and holding his head, picked himself back up and rejoined the table. What? What happened? Oh, you, you punched yourself in the face and knocked yourself out. Really? Yes. Atticus watched a crack grow across Oscar's glass torso. It spread from his chest up his neck and stopped at his chin. <laughs> you lying son of a bitch. Oh, how could you tell? Pinocchio, for the first time that day, smiled. He suddenly didn't feel self-conscious about his nose. And he suddenly forgot the troubling words the owl had spoken to him. He drank another drink of his ale, and his head felt hot, but good. He liked how it was making him feel. He liked that his new friends were feeling the same way. He liked that everyone in the bar seemed to feel the same way he did. And he laughed along with them. And so, he and his friends drank all day and into the night. They retold stories of Daudry's dungeon and of their escape, all of them recounting it differently, sharing their own perspective about how it all played out. At one point, Pinocchio looked up and noticed Bandit had disappeared. No one seemed to notice that he slipped away, but no one seemed to really care either. They laughed and joked and ordered more rounds of ale and made more toasts and dared each other to talk to other girls or boys in the bar. But through it all, Pandora looked across the table longingly at Pinocchio. As the others got into an argument about one particular female on the other side of the bar, Pandora stood up, walked around the table, and grabbed Pinocchio's hand. Come with me, she said to the wooden doll as she led him out of the bar and down the street to a cliff overlooking the ocean. The stars were twinkling brightly in the black sky. They heard the waves of the ocean lap against the shore. Pandora didn't let go of Pinocchio's hand as they stared out at the sea. He had a strange feeling in his stomach as Pandora squeezed his hand. I... I like you, Pinocchio. I like you too, Pandora. Can I... Can I kiss you again? Now, for a young boy, romantic kisses aren't always easy. In fact, they often make you so nervous you could faint. I'm not speaking from experience, as this narrator is obviously not a boy, but I've seen it in my own life. The locking of eyes, the weird self-doubt that makes you wonder if you're both thinking the same thing, and who should go first, or maybe you're waiting for the slightest signal to see if you can time it out so that you both move in at the same time. It's a lot to consider. It's a lot to get right. No one wants to look like an asshole in a romantic kiss, and so in this moment, for all of these reasons, Pinocchio paused. Don't act like you didn't pause and freak out the first time this happened to you, too. I only bring it up because in this humble narrator's opinion, everyone looks like a bit of an asshole in their first romantic kiss. Um, uh, yeah. The two wooden puppets leaned in towards each other and closed their eyes. Just as their lips were about to connect, they heard four startlingly familiar voices. You fucking shit. You took my boat. You told me to take a boat, Dr. Daudry, so I took the first one I found. At once, Pinocchio and Pandora leapt into the nearest row of bushes near the cliff. They crouched down in the dark shadows and watched, horrified, as Daudry appeared walking along with Bandit. You are supposed to take the smaller of the two. 
I'm sorry, sir. I was panicked. The dogs were after us and Creed and Song, and there were so many of us, I just... I just panicked. I'm sorry. No. No. It's all right, Bandit. It's all right. You did well. Does this mean you'll let me go, sir? I can leave and you'll never confine me again. I did promise you that, didn't I? Yes, Doctor. And you did pull off the escape? Yes, Doctor. Bandit, I am an honorable man. Yes, you are, Doctor. A man of his word, yes? Yes, of course, Doctor. And of course, you won't tell anyone about me, or this place, or anything you know of my plans. No, sir, I just want freedom. I I don't care what you do after I leave, Dr. Daughtry. If it's freedom I promised you, Bandit, then it's freedom you shall have. Creed? Song? And out of the darkness appeared Daughtry's two henchmen, Creed and Song. Both of them wore sickening grins on their faces. Creed held in his hand a pail with liquid sloshing thickly inside. What? What what is this, sir? Song grabbed Bandit and held him still as Creed dumped the insides of the pail all over him. Wait, I don't understand. We had a deal. What is this? Daudry reached a hand inside Song's pocket and pulled from it a match. No. Daudry struck the match across Creed's face, who winced and shot a look as the good doctor stepped a step closer towards Bandit. This, my boy, is your freedom. And Daudry tossed the match at Bandit, who burst into flames. And without hesitation, Creed kicked the tin boy hard in the chest, sending him over the edge of the cliff and into the night. Bandit fell screaming, a fireball falling some 900 feet to a bed of dry brush below. Pinocchio and Pandora covered their mouths, muffling any chance of reaction to what they had just seen. Song, Creed, and Daudry peered over the edge and watched the boy crash violently to the ground. They watched as the fire spread along the canyon. Let's go. It's time we introduced ourselves to our soldiers. Are the torching devices ready? (laughs) Yes, sir. Remember, we don't want to burn too many of them. Just enough to set an example. The evil trio pulled away from the edge of the cliff and disappeared along the dark road that led them there. Pinocchio and Pandora stepped out of the bushes and looked down at the spreading flames below. Bandit was was working for Daudry? I don't understand, Pinocchio. I don't understand! Pandora's jaw popped off, and before it fell down the canyon, Pinocchio Uh. caught it in midair and reconnected it to her face. Thank you. I don't understand, Pinocchio. Why would Daudry want us to escape? This isn't an island. It's just another dungeon. What? What do you mean? We have to tell the others. The two wooden puppets looked down once more on the tin boy who called himself Bandit, smashed and burning in the brush below. He had played at being their friend, their heroic leader in an escape they were all still celebrating. And suddenly, Pinocchio didn't feel so bad for Bandit. There was justice somehow, Pinocchio thought, in Bandit's demise. A tin boy who died in agony on a rock called Pleasure Island. Chapter 13 How it was that Geppetto gave up his talent. Deep at sea, 
Heading due west and already fading into the night, the old man, Geppetto, and his new companion, Pepper, sat on the bow of the freshly built sailing vessel, watching the cool water whoosh by them. Geppetto lifted his eye patch to let the wind blow into his raw, empty socket. It stung, but soothed him. He reached behind himself and grabbed his wooden crutch so that he palmed its base and he pulled out his whittling knife and began, strangely, to carve a point out of the bottom of it. This might be the fastest boat I've ever been on. You're quite the carpenter. Well, ever since I was a child, I could make things, build things. You've, uh, you've been on a boat before? In my previous life. That was back when these waters were haunted by the sirens. <laughs> the sirens. <laughs> Nonsense. Nonsense my ass, man. Those fuckers are real. <laughs> If you'd ever seen one, you wouldn't mock me, dude. Seriously, those bitches are scary. Hot, but scary. And nude. Totally nude. <laughs> Naked women who live in the sea singing sailors to their death? Pepper, honestly. They're the stuff of fairy tales. Yeah, are you blind in your good eye as well? You're smack dab in the middle of a fairy tale. There's a reason those tales are told, man. Because they happen. They fucking happen. No one's ever caught one or seen one. There's no empirical evidence. Look, sirens are out there, man. And not all of them are as bad as the stories make them out to be. All we have to do is call them, pray to them. They saved my sister once. In my first life, I mean. The old man looked at his friend Pepper and could see that a sadness had affected his tightly pinched brown face. Geppetto put down his whittling knife and crutch, which had been carved to a dangerous point, and he asked, Do you... do you remember your other life? Pieces of it. Takes time. Starts with flashes or dreams, and then after a while it just starts steadily flowing in, kind of like... No, I would say exactly, like memories. Well, I guess they are memories. Takes quite a toll on the old noggin, really. My son, Pinocchio, he doesn't seem to have memories of his other life. But then, I've only known him a day. That happens, man. Some souls are born dead and they have no experience to recall. And when they're merged with their new homes, it's like the first time they're experiencing anything. They're the ones I feel the most sorry for if they get burned. Tell me, what is it about fire that you all are so afraid of? Are you fucking serious? It hurts, man. You ever been burned? Shit hurts like a son of a bitch. And more importantly, it's how you separate the soul from its home. By fire? It's that cricket, man. It's why they were burning the elders back there, releasing their souls back into the world. But, uh, but that, that's a good thing, right? I mean, they're free again, aren't they? Um, fuck no. That's the worst thing ever. Each time you separate from your home, you weaken and run the risk of being caught and housed again. Which means you'll most likely be caged and sold again. Each time it happens, we're that much more susceptible to being caught, to being complete fucking slaves to the cricket. The devil's fire, man. It's serious shit. What do you know about, well, of the other makers? People like me, who, who create these homes for souls. What do you want to know? Where are they? Where does the cricket keep them? All among us, man. They live in houses just like you, work in shops just like you. They lead these fucked up double lives and answer the call whenever they're needed. And all of them are human. Why? 
because on your first go-around as a human, he can claim your soul and take you to hell when you die. He threatens your loved ones and uses them as leverage to get what he wants from you. And then, if he does keep up his end of the bargain, you still get to go to hell. The old man hung his head. He thought of his wife and son. He thought of Pinocchio and how the wooden puppet made him feel like a father. And then, sadly, the old man wondered if he had prepared Pinocchio for what he must now be facing, or what he would soon come to face. And he realized, tragically, that he had failed his son in every way. But time permitting, the old man thought, he might have a chance to remedy all of this. Pepper, is there no way of stopping the cricket? He's the fucking devil, man. So, I guess the real question is, how do we stop the devil? Okay, well, what do we know about him? Not much. He's, he's in our territory. God's got heaven and the cricket's got hell. And this world it belongs to us. I don't think you can stop him from crossing over and fucking with our lives, but yeah, there should be something. But it seems like if there were a way, it, it would have already happened by now. Someone would have tried it. <sighs> Maybe there isn't a way. We're all in deep, deep shit, man. Unless... Unless what? Uh, quick, get on your knees. The little hemp doll swung his legs around and knelt adamantly on the deck and folded his hands. The old man looked at him confused. What? Pray? To whom? God? Forget it. Not God, man. Like, he can do anything about it. Well, then who are we praying to? The fucking sirens, man. The old man scrunched up his face in disapproval. Do I look like I'm kidding, man? You want to see Pinocchio again? Then get your old ass over here and take a knee. Geppetto obeyed and masked his reluctance. He knelt and folded his hands. All right. Now what? Think of something you cannot do without, but something you must give up. Something worthy of your son. What? Like, you know, a sacrifice. What do you have to offer the sirens? What can you not do without, man? Like, the very thing that makes you who you are. Hurry! But I've, I've, I've got nothing to give. I gave up my soul for my sister's life. That's how she didn't drown, and that's how I came to be lost between heaven and hell. They keep nothing, but they demand that you part with something in trade for their help. Geppetto thought hard about it. He looked up at the night sky and thought of his deal with the devil and how his soul was already doomed. He had nothing in his pockets and nothing back home but a lot of wood, and, and then he realized what he might offer. My talent. What? I will offer up what makes my hands valuable to the cricket. I wish to offer my talent. That's good. That's... Wow. Wow, man. Okay. Okay. Now what? I don't know. We wait? Well, I, I, I thought you'd done this before. I have, but it was like, you know, in another life. It's been a while. Wait, wait, wait. Shh. Quiet. You hear that? Holy shit. It worked. That's their song. The song filled their hearts with a sudden fear, and strangely, a sudden sense of delight, until all their fears vanished. They sound like angels. Make no mistake, Geppetto. These are no angels. A great golden light illuminated the dark waters of the sea around them and shone brilliantly upward towards the sky. Pepper and Geppetto could now see, within the light, three women surfacing from the ocean's depth. 
First, a woman with red hair, then a woman with black hair, and finally, a woman with blonde hair. All three were beautiful in every conceivable way. And Pepper, whose eyes were now wide open at the sight of their perfectly shaped nude bodies, looked slightly at Geppetto and said, I told you. I, I told you they were naked. And though I'd rather not go into a full descriptive narrative about all their beautiful parts, I feel I must capture the essence of what an encounter with sirens might entail. Uh, on second thought, never mind. Just picture the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Now, picture her without clothes. Now, imagine she's looking at you with mutual lust and desire. They're so beautiful. So beautiful. Though the three women stopped singing, their song could still be heard all around them. Geppetto, squinting at their light, put a hand over his brow like a visor. Why do you summon us? Um, we seek, you know, answers? In response to your questions, we will take your offer, and you shall never have it back. You, um... You three don't remember me, do you? Ask your questions, Pepper and Geppetto. You hear that? They remember. Mm. They remember. How do we defeat the Red Cricket? The three sirens shared a look out of the corners of their beautiful eyes. You will have to trap him. Well, how do we trap the devil? When the Cricket enters the domain of mankind, he, like Pepper, is a lost soul within a host body. But his bodies are made of flesh. This gives him the ability to transfer from body to body whenever he pleases. Oh, fuck, that's good. So we we have to trap him in a home that's not made of flesh. We have to transfer him into a maker's design. Like something I would create? Exactly, dude. Like those, those gross fucking crab things on the beach trading shells and shit. So you gotta make another puppet or something, and then, you know, we transfer that shit over. Okay, okay, but uh, how do we do that? Um, excuse me, ladies, but how exactly do we do that? The fire. The fire will transition him from a cricket into the sacrificial form. What do you mean by sacrificial? A maker must offer up his creation as sacrifice to trigger the exchange. Why? Love begets love. Hate begets hate. Love, when proven, will undo hate. Sacrifice is the ultimate weapon against the cricket. Even in the warmth of the sirens, Geppetto hung his head as a great feeling of despair crept over him. What's the matter, dude? Tell me something, Pepper. When we get to Pleasure Island, what are the chances of us finding another maker and his creation? Pepper thought about it for a brief moment, and before he could speak, Geppetto turned and looked him in the eye. The old man's bottom lip was trembling, and his face grew pale. And it dawned on the hemp doll that Geppetto and his son would be the only candidates for the job. The old man turned away from Pepper and looked towards the sirens. Is there no other way? If you wish to trap the cricket, this is the only way. What happens to the soul inside the creation when the transfer is complete? It will forever remain trapped between God and evil. Like me, dude. He will never find heaven. And he will never find hell. And me? You will have to fulfill your contract with the cricket. 
and follow him to hell upon your own death. Our time grows short. No, wait, wait! Be quick, mortal, or you shall have to give up another offering. Who was Pinocchio in his previous life? The sirens, again, shared a look. We have decided not to reveal this truth with you. What? Why not? Because the answer will destroy you. Well, I demand you tell me, Sirens. I demand the answer. I don't care if it destroys me. If my boy is to make this sacrifice, I want him to know who he was before he trades out who he is and diminishes himself once more. Now, tell me the secret. One of the Sirens, the one with long, curly red hair, lifted her hand in permission to the one with long, swirly black hair, who answered carefully, the son you call Pinocchio was also once the son you and your wife would have called Gabriel. Geppetto's face went flush. His mouth slacked open and his heart felt like it had just frozen cold within his chest. He suddenly felt as if the whole world stopped dead on its axis. His limbs went numb and he collapsed there on the bow of the ship, eyes up at the stars, the old man had just learned he would have to let go of his son, his wife's child, for a second time. Gabriel? Fare thee well, Pepper and Geppetto, as we descend back into the waters of the sea, so with us will your offerings go. Just as soon as they had appeared, so had the three beautiful sirens vanished, softly, brilliantly into the depths of the ocean, leaving the old man weeping painfully on his handmade ship next to the little hemp doll, who now tried to comfort his seafaring partner. Hey. Hey. You've got to shake that shit off, man. Oh, leave me be, Pepper. Look at me. Dude, dude, look at me. The hemp doll jumped on top of Geppetto's chest and grabbed him by the eye patch and pulled the old man's face so that the two of them would meet eye to eye. There's nothing you can do about what has to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just the way it has to be, understand? What do you know of sacrifice? You have the memory of a fly, you fucking old bastard. I told you. I gave up my life so that my sister could live. I know everything about sacrifice. Sometimes shit happens. And you gotta do what you gotta do to make it right. You gotta make this right, old man. No matter how much it fucking hurts, you gotta stop feeling sorry for yourself and make this right. Oh, but he, he was my real son. Maria, my wife's child, our child. Pepper didn't want to do it, but he decided it was necessary. He slapped oh. the holy hell out of the old man. You're better than this. You are this close to finding your son, and both of you have a chance to end this. You have a chance to do something huge with your lives. It's either stand your ground and fight, or spend the rest of your lives running from the cricket. The old man stopped crying. The hemp doll was right. This was the only option left. It was the only way to discontinue the cricket's enterprise here on Earth. Finally, Geppetto said to Pepper, And you'll... you'll help me do this? I'll be right beside you every step of the way. We're gonna make these fuckers pay, Geppetto. The cricket, Daudry, Creed, Song, all of them. The revolution starts here, dude. <laughs> the revolution? <laughs> well, maybe not a revolution, but it sounds right. <laughs> 
<laughs> with, a, with a truly unlikely pair, eh? An old fart and a stoner. <laughs> Come on, you're not that old. Yeah, but you are stoned. I'm a little stoned, yes. <laughs> Geppetto sat up, and the two of them paced around the boat and began devising the plan. They wouldn't have much time when they arrived if Daudry were already there, and with the cricket surely fast behind them, they'd have to work together. Hours went by as the two talked through every possible scenario until finally, there, on the horizon of the dark night, they could see. Pleasure Island. Where? There. Can you see? The old man and the hemp doll stood on the bow and saw the same glowing, flickering lights Pinocchio and his fellow runaways had seen just the night before. And as both of them looked, they could see a tiny something falling from one of the high cliffs. It looked like it was something on fire. What is that? I don't know. From their distance, they watched this little speck of falling fire crash to the ground somewhere inside a canyon. And they could see that the fire had spread somewhere inside the mountains. Little did they know that it was a tin boy called Bandit falling to his death. The closer we get to that blaze, the more someone on shore might see us. Grab that there and spin it back towards me. Geppetto and Pepper shifted the sails of the boat and cut angrily to the south in order to come around to a different side of the island. Geppetto locked the mechanisms and the boat veered towards the darker part of the island. He could see that Pepper was staring up sadly at all the lights. I've always wanted to come here. I dreamt about it for years. But that's what I gave up to the sirens back there at sea. You gave up Pleasure Island? Well, frankly, it was a bit of a trick. I figured that once we got there, the whole place was gonna burn to the ground once the cricket shows up. But seeing it now, it wasn't just a place of refuge. It, it also stood for everything a lost soul desires. We were cheated out of our lives in some way. And there, on that island, there's an experience for every experience you might have missed. It's big of you, Pepper. Very big. You gave up your talents, man. That means you can't make puppets for the cricket anymore, which is the only reason he had interest in your soul to begin with. He's gonna make you suffer. For all eternity, he's gonna make you burn, Geppetto. My sacrifice pales in comparison to yours. Yes. Well, Pinocchio's is the biggest sacrifice of us all. Do you think he'll do it? He's my son. I believe that he'll do what's right. Chapter 14. How it was that Geppetto lost his son to the world a second time. The atmosphere at Hooligan's hideout was a livelier version of where we last left it. Mostly because all the lost souls were fully drunk now. Atticus and Oscar were arguing about which place they should go next. Lilith was telling Jasper how she was much prettier and a much better person than Pandora, who had stolen off with Pinocchio, leading him by the hand. Even Miriam and Socrates had finally made it. Miriam's leg was bandaged and propped up in her little wheelchair, which Socrates was pushing around the bar as they danced drunkenly to music from the jukebox. And just as the song ended... The whole bar turned in reaction as they stared at the two wooden puppets, Pinocchio and Pandora, who were out of breath and frantic. What? Have you lost your mind? Keep your voice down. My head is killing me. Listen 
to me! We have to go, right now! Pinocchio, what's the matter? Daudry's here, with Creed and Song. What? Nonsense! Oh, shut your ugly face, Pandora! Lilith, I know you're mad at me, but this is important. It's a crock of shit is what it is. She's telling the truth! This island isn't a refuge! It's where Daudry's been rounding us all up! He told Bandit about it, which is how he knew exactly how to escape and exactly how to lead us through the forest to where there was a boat already waiting for us. Look, Bandit was a lot of things. He was a dick. He was... Yes, he was a dick, but he wasn't a traitor. Pinocchio, he would never betray us like that. How do you think Bandit knew how to find Pleasure Island? He was in on it. He made a deal with Daudry, and Daudry killed him. Daudry orchestrated the whole thing. <laughs> That's ridiculous, Pinocchio. No, Miriam, it's not ridiculous. It's what happened. If you don't believe me, go take a look off the edge of the canyon up the road. His body's still burning. <gasps> yeah, oh my that's right, burning. Bandit's dead. Oscar turned his cracked, glassy head towards where Bandit was sitting earlier. He was just right there. He wasn't here when Socrates and I came in, was he? No, he left before then. He left right after Pinocchio and Pandora left. I knew it. Pandora killed him, bitch! I did not kill Bandit, Lilith. I'm telling you, it was Daudry, Creed, and Song. They're here! I'm with Oscar. I don't think Bandit would ever work with Daudry. How do you know? Because I know Bandit, Pinocchio. I know his story. There's no way he would harm the rest of us like that. I don't know, Jasper. Bandit was acting awful strange yesterday. If I were lying, my nose would be a foot long by now! Please believe us! Oscar and Socrates were about to protest when they realized the wooden puppet was right. All of them now noticed that his nose was, indeed, not growing. Jasper suddenly bolted off his stool. Where are they? I don't know, but we've got to get out of here before they find us! Good evening, lost souls. I hope you've enjoyed your stay at Pleasure Island thus far, because things are about to change. Allow me to introduce myself and my colleagues. Some of you know me, some of you have heard of me, and if you haven't, well, today is your lucky day. I am the reason you cannot lie. I am the reason you are here. This island belongs to me. Therefore, you belong to me. These are my associates. Creed and song, and my name is Dr. Kenneth Daughtry. A great hush fell over the bar. The drunk souls exchanged horrified looks at one another, and all of them impulsively ducked beneath tables, chairs, pool tables, and like statues, they were frozen in abject horror. Jasper crept along the floor to the window of Hooligan's hideout and carefully peeked out. It's him! walking down the street with Song and Creed, and they're carrying something. What? What are they carrying? What is it? They look like guns, with flames at the end of barrels. What? That son of a bitch thinks he can just stroll in here and threaten us again? No, no, you be quiet. I'm sick of him fucking with us. be quiet. Miriam, you're my sister. Just wait, I love you. Just be I'm not going to let this asshole harm you again, okay? It's time we did something about it. Socrates looked out the window, then back at his sister. He reluctantly submitted and knelt down next to Miriam's little wheelchair. Fine, but the second they pose a threat, I'm going out there. 
Just then, Creed pulled a lever on the thing he was carrying, and at the end of its long barrel shot a great, hot flame, which caught a group of souls on the porch of the brothel on fire. Jasper, covering his mouth, ducked quickly back inside the bar. It's fire. It shoots fire. If you do not wish to burn, make your way to the arena at the center of the island. If you do not do so, well, take a look outside your windows at Mama's fuck tank. All along the street, intoxicated lost souls looked out and saw the brothel burning angrily to the ground, and the bodies of the other souls were burning with it. It was a sobering sight. At once, all the souls began to line up in the streets, making their way to the center of the island. They're going. They're actually going. Who? All of them. They're all leaving the buildings and lining up in the street. Looks like they're going to the arena. They're following his orders. I don't want to go. Jasper, I don't want to go. Calm down, Lilith. Who does this asshole think he is? Bash his brains in. Pinocchio made his way over to Jasper, and the two of them peered out the window. They could see all the souls walking out of the buildings, stumbling drunk, some of them. Others were stoned and giggling ironically, and still others, who were passed out, were dragged by their friends. What should we do? We can't go out there. Bullshit. That's precisely Socrates, what we do. You're drunk. We're now not going to take down. any more of their you shit. Fuck you. Fuck all of you. Pinocchio rushed over and threw a hand over Socrates' face. Get your hand don't want to mess face. with Dodgery, Socrates. He will hurt you and you know it. Socrates managed to pull Pinocchio's hand off his face. Get out of my way, puppet. And the infuriated leather doll shoved Pinocchio angrily to the ground and made for the door. Socrates, no. No, don't go out there! Socrates kicked open the door and stepped out into the street beyond the sight of anyone remaining inside Hooligan's hideout. They didn't dare watch, but what they heard was... Hey, you! Yeah, you! You can't just breeze on into our island and start setting folks on fire. On the contrary, boy. In this place, I can do whatever I want. Yeah? Well, fuck you! And with that, Song blasted Socrates with a spray of fire that melted his leather straight. The stench wafted in through the windows of the bar, and when it reached the drunk souls within, some of them began to puke. Miriam screamed and sobbed. Some of the other souls covered her mouth and held her down as she kicked and squirmed to break free. And then, Pinocchio saw something that made his heart stop. It's on fire. The bar's on fire! Shit, the bar's on fire! The rest of the souls in the bar looked at Oscar. He was right. And so they opened the door and made their exit onto the street. A smile widened the length of Daudry's face as they all lined up behind Socrates' thin, burnt remains. Miriam screamed tragically at the sight of her brother's body. Oscar held her close and covered her mouth. Song's eyes narrowed on Pinocchio. Well, 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 look who it is. Hey, Doc. Can I torch the puppet? Can I? <laughs> yeah, Dr. Daudry, can we torch the puppet? Please? Daudry cocked his head in deliberation. I don't see why not. Torch the little bastard. No! Creed and Song laughed evil laughs as Atticus and Jasper pulled Pandora away from Pinocchio. Stay still, Pinocchio. This won't hurt a bit, I promise. Hey, Song, can I do it? Can I? He broke my finger, Creed. I get to do this. He killed my dogs. The owls killed your dogs, moron. Here's a novel idea. Why don't you both do it? Well, now that I think about it, she's right. 
Okay, Song, you can burn it. Thanks, Creed. You're a true gentleman. <laughs> Pandora broke free from Atticus and Jasper and ran back for Pinocchio. Please, sir, please, he didn't do anything. Step aside, unless you'd like to be cooked as well. Let go of me, Pandora! I'm not leaving you, Pinocchio. Yes, you are! Now go! No, please! I love you. There's no need for you to die, too. I'm not leaving you. I'm warning you, Pandora. Step aside. Things are about to get hot. Please, Pinocchio, please. Pinocchio put his hand on her face, and he kissed her softly. He could feel a rush of blood to his head. And then he found himself saying, I love you, too, Pandora. And suddenly, Pinocchio ripped off her jaw and threw it towards Jasper and Atticus. Get out of here! And Pandora, unable to speak and in the habit of always chasing her jaw, dashed after it. Hello, Puppet. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. The finger you broke happens to be my trigger finger. It's all healed up now. Say goodbye, you little fucker. Song placed her finger on the trigger and grinned widely. And then, the strangest thing happened. Her eyes popped wide open and her mouth slacked. Her whole body froze and jolted slightly upward, which caused her to drop the torching device. Creed and Daudry, who had seen it too, also saw the tip of a sharpened piece of wood jutting out from where her heart might have been, if she had one. Blood poured from her mouth as she looked over at Creed. Stunned, he watched her eyes roll up to the back of her head as she fell, lifeless, to the ground. And there, behind her, pulling his sharpened crutch out of her body, was a familiar old face. A great wave of surprise washed over the wooden puppet as he cried out, Father! Run, Pinocchio, run! Father, no! Do as I say! Now! The wooden boy panicked, obeyed his father, and ran towards Pandora, Atticus, and Jasper. Daudry stepped a step towards the old man. You. Creed's eyes grew bloodshot with fury as he, too, turned towards Geppetto. You killed Song. She was my friend. You killed my friend. Creed held his torching device up and aimed it squarely at Geppetto. Wait, Creed, wait. He's here. He's here with the cricket. Oh, no, Dr. Daudry. Is he mad at you? Where is he, old man? Oh, he's around, I'm sure. Let me kill him. Do not pull that trigger, Creed. I have to kill him. He killed Song. I have to kill him. Creed, stand down. Just then, Creed heard the familiar click of the lever on Song's torching device. Hey there, fat ass. Pepper had propped Song's torching device across her dead body and aimed it directly at Creed. Did you miss me? I've been dreaming about this moment since the first day we met. Torch him, Creed! Creed turned around and aimed his device back at Pepper. The little boy, made of hemp, pulled the trigger first. Fire roared from the device and swallowed Creed, who burst immediately into flames. <laughs> Creed's burning body ran frantically for the swimming pool just across the road, but Jasper, Lilith, Atticus, and Oscar pelted him with rocks, which knocked his fiery body to the ground, falling short of putting himself out by only a few feet. He cooked viciously as Jasper and company stood over his body, watching it burn. Pinocchio and Pandora moved in closer as they watched Geppetto hold his sharp crutch to Daudry's throat. Don't move, Daudry. Pepper! Yo! I need you to take your friends down the road a bit. The old man scanned the street with his eye. 
That arcade there. Hide them in there. Pepper dropped the device and ran to the middle of the street. All right, everybody listen up. We're gonna walk down to that arcade down the street and hide. Pepper, what are we hiding from? I'll explain once we get there. Now come on, follow me. They all started to follow Pepper, including Pinocchio. Pepper stopped and turned and held a hand to Pinocchio's chest. Not you. Your father has something he has to tell you. And Pepper continued walking. The group left Geppetto and Pinocchio alone on the street with Daudry. Deja vu came upon the wooden puppet, who suddenly thought about the owl's prediction. Son? Pinocchio turned slowly to face his father. The old man's crutch still pointed at Daudry's throat. Yes, father? We need to talk, my boy. I was afraid you'd say that. Where's the cricket, Geppetto? Quiet, Daudry. I'll deal with you momentarily. He's not here, is he? You left him, didn't you? You ran from him, didn't you? Forgive me, son. But I must take care of this first. And without the slightest hint, the old man cracked Daudry across the skull with his crutch. The good doctor fell awkwardly to the ground. Blood spurted up from a wound above his ear and his eyes crossed strangely. As he lay there on the gravel of Pleasure Island's central road, Daudry's eyes righted themselves and focused back for a brief moment. And in that moment, he could see the brothel still burning, the arcade lights still flashing, the Ferris wheel still in rotation. The island, in fact, looked as it did the day he finished constructing it. The doctor thought how long ago it was when the first crew of souls arrived, when this place was first inhabited. And though it may seem a bit of a stretch for Dr. Kenneth Daudry, in that moment, as he lay there on the ground, head spinning and surely about to meet his doom, he felt a kind of bitterness, as if he knew he would be leaving something behind. As if, and maybe this was the stretch, as if he felt in some crude, delusional way that he was something of a father figure to those souls he'd deceptively shepherded here. And this narrator might, for a moment, allow such a delusion, even for a villain as cruel and undeserving as Daudry. He lay there, blood running down the side of his face, and whispered quietly to himself. But I love them all, like sons, like daughters. I could have been something better. Maybe it was the massive wound to the side of his head, but Daudry could feel something he hadn't felt since his father passed away when he was only a tiny boy. An unsettlingly heavy regret. Snap out of it! The old man had kicked Daudry's body so that it rolled facing up towards the sky. The sharply dressed man worked hard to focus his eyes again, but this time it found only Geppetto looking down on him. I want you to be conscious when I take your life, Daudry. The doctor's eyes, the old man noticed, were glistening now. Geppetto wasn't an evil, hateful man, but he was revengeful. But for a moment, a brief moment, the old man felt pity for Dr. Daudry, who looked up at Geppetto sadly and said faintly, I lost my way is all. I just... I lost my way. Yes, you did. Father! The wooden puppet could see in his father's eyes the same look he'd seen in his eyes when he murdered the Blue Fairy. Don't. You don't have to. But, as is the way in such tales, pity quickly transformed into a burning desire for justice. I'm sorry, Pinocchio, but as a father, I do have to. 
Pinocchio's mouth opened in protest, only to slowly close itself. Geppetto's eyes turned back to Daudry's, which were now dazed from the loss of blood. I didn't start out this way. I was going to be a scientist, a doctor. But I just... I lost my way. We all lose our way now and again. And the old man stood tall above the good doctor Kenneth Daudry, and he raised high his sharpened crutch, stained already with the blood of song. But in this world, between God and evil, there are consequences for such misdirection. And with that, Pinocchio watched his father commit murder for the second time. <coughs> An eerie silence fell over the island. You could hear the crunch of Daudry's ribcage and the squish of those things it kept. The doctor's chest was no longer rising and falling. His heart had stopped. Blood mixed into the gravel and dirt of the main road and swirled thickly, breaking off into streams, one of which made its way near Pinocchio's wooden foot. The puppet knelt down and dabbed his wooden finger into it, and when he pulled it up again, his finger was red. He thought of the first time he laid eyes on Daudry, how nice he was to him, how he promised Pinocchio advancement in the world. And then he thought about the bookstore clerk, Mr. Johanningmeyer, and how Daudry had taken him somewhere out of sight in the store. And he thought about Daudry's handkerchief, which had changed colors from white to red. This man, Pinocchio thought, was no good. He was a bad man. And yet Pinocchio realized Daudry's death hadn't made him feel any better. There are bad people in the world, my son. Geppetto yanked the crutch out of Daudry's chest and used it to hobble over to Pinocchio. Yes, you told me. Who gets to decide, father, who lives or dies? No one decides it, my boy. It happens because it happens. Daudry had to be stopped. Are there places? Like his dungeon for people like him? Prisons? Yes. But fathers prefer certainty. The old man knelt down in front of Pinocchio and wiped the blood from the puppet's finger. There's something that we need to talk about, son. The owl told me about this. I didn't believe him. He said you'd one day ask me to die. And I... I didn't believe him because... You told me you loved me, that I was your boy, your son. But I'm, I'm just a lost soul, Father. I'm nothing like you. No, no. You are everything like me, my boy, everything. The thing is, you are my son, Gabriel. The puppet looked at the old man, confused. And so, Geppetto told his son, Pinocchio, who he really was. And as is often the case in these stories of fathers and sons, the wooden puppet and his maker wept in each other's arms as a strange combination of inaugural love and warm familiarity came over both of them. But I don't want to die, Father. Not now. What if we never find each other again? We will. We must both believe in that, you understand? We will find each other. What if, what if you die before I do? Oh, son. We must find each other before I die, for I still have a contract with the cricket. I'll get you out of there. No, no. You 
must never come for me there, you understand? But I... No, you must never look for me in that place, Pinocchio. You promise me. But father... Promise me! I... I promise. <gasps> Ray, he's smarter than we planned. The old man looked back at his wooden puppet with a look of sudden determination. He's here. Who? The cricket. Geppetto kicked himself up and looked around the street. The rain blasted his face, stinging his eyes. Sorry, his eye. Pepper, he's here. You think? Pepper, Atticus, and Jasper entered the street carrying Song's torching device. They set up beneath the awning of the Ferris wheel ticket window. This way, this way. Now set this end there and that end there. Good. It's all wet. Wipe it down. With what? I don't know, dude, with Jasper's shirt. Everything set, Pepper? All set, old man. He brought the rain with him. These fuckers can get pretty hot. Just get him as close to the Ferris wheel as you can, got it? The old man turned his attention to his son, who is still kneeling in the road. Can you do that, son? Stay near the Ferris wheel, and when the time is right, just let him come to you. The little wooden puppet nodded his head slowly. Are you ready, my boy? I don't want to do this. This is not what I want for you. You understand? But this is what you have to do. Scared. The old man knelt down again to the puppet's level. I'm scared too, son. You remember when you asked me what love is? Yes, sir. Love is selflessness. It's unconditional and unapologetic. That's why you're scared. Because none of those things are easy. None of those things are weightless. It's the heaviest burden anyone could ever bear to love someone. Because, eventually, the clock runs out on us all. But by the time it does, you, you want to have lived a life of love. You want to have had a selfless, unapologetic life. You want to have followed your father's example rather than his advice. I only wish I could have been a better example for you, my boy. What your sacrifice means to all lost souls will outweigh the love we have for one another. It will heal the eternal suffering of boys and girls just like you, so that they might find peace for once. You have a chance, Pinocchio. Gabriel, to be the man I never learned to be. Atticus, get the lights. The lights down the main road, one by one, shut off which left the island in total darkness. Are you ready, son? Yes, father. Then let's finish this. And just then, the rain suddenly stopped falling from the sky. Oh, he's up to something. Pepper, keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, well, you keep your eye peeled too, dude. Geppetto turned in circles, squinting into the dark for any sign of the cricket. Pepper, Atticus, and Jasper manned the torching device, ready to use it at the appropriate time. Pinocchio? Yes, Jasper? I just wanted to say, you really are the bravest person I've ever known. Thank you, Jasper. Will you tell Pandora that I really do love her? You're a hero, you know. Take good care of everyone, Atticus. They listen to you. Will you guys just shut the fuck up? Seriously, be quiet! Pepper, who is never much for dealing in emotions, shed a tear and immediately wiped it away before anyone could notice. And... Yeah, you're like the coolest dude in the world for doing this, man. Take care of my father, Pepper. 
Will ya? Yeah. You got my word on that, dude. What is that sound? Crickets. And in the blink of an eye, Geppetto shot across the road and slammed against the thick plated glass of the cigar shop humidor. You stole my boat, Geppetto. That was a bad, bad thing to do. From the darkness appeared the doorman holding the red cricket in the palm of his right hand. Set me down. Yes, Master Geppetto. And see about the group of souls hiding beneath that awning. I have a feeling they're up to no good. As you wish, Mr. Jiminy. Pepper, Atticus, and Jasper eyeballed each other in complete darkness, surprised that Jiminy could see them. What are we gonna do? He's heading right for us. Quiet! Pepper nervously looked around the ticket booth for a weapon of some kind. On the counter, he spied a pair of scissors, so the little hemp doll grabbed them and handed them to Atticus. Here, take these. When he gets close, stick him in the knee. When he falls over, stick him in the throat. I've... I've never killed anyone before. Don't think about it, just do it. I'm, I'm scared. Here, I'll do it. The ceramic doll snatched the scissors away from Atticus and crouched quietly in the dark as the doorman approached slowly and carefully. At the same time, Jiminy was moving towards Geppetto, who was pinned invisibly again. The old man was being crushed once more, but this time against glass, which the cricket kept from shattering. Instead, as the pane cracked, it splintered into jagged edges that cut deeply into Geppetto's back. We had a deal, old man. You were never going to let us be together. I'm not as bad as people make me out to be, you know. You should have trusted me. When this world is mine, you'll regret your actions today, Geppetto. This world doesn't belong to you. But it will soon. And you, as promised, will make for me. <laughs> I'll see you in hell, Jiminy. But I will never make for you. I sacrificed my talents. These hands no longer have the abilities you once saw in them. The cricket hopped into the palm of the old man's hands which were stiffly curling up, and the cricket could sense something was wrong. What have you done? I've given them up to the sirens of the sea. The red cricket looked into the old man's eye and could see that he was telling the truth. The cricket backed out of Geppetto's palm and landed on the ground, eyes still on the old man. What have you done? He gave up everything he wanted to be so that he could be a great father. The cricket turned, surprised, and found Pinocchio. But the doorman was still standing in front of the torching device. Kill it, Jasper, now! Well, now, you must be Pinocchio. I am, sir. And I would like you to leave my father alone. Come on, Jasper. The cricket turned his red face evilly at Geppetto, and a wicked little red smile grew crookedly from antenna to antenna. I warned you, Geppetto, what would happen if you betrayed me. I told you I would hold your puppet upside down and split him from end to end, right in front of you. And just then, Pinocchio's feet left the ground and his whole wooden body turned upside down in the air. His hands dangled helplessly, fingers barely scraping the ground. This will all be over soon, my boy. Oh, no. No, 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 nothing will be over soon for our loving father in his own so adorable son. No, not for this maker in soul, 
I'm gonna drag this fucking pain out for all of time, and I'm gonna make you watch, Geppetto. Every second of your son's agony will be the most intimate thing you'll ever know. The cricket stood right below Pinocchio, who was still dangling awkwardly upside down in the air. The red cricket looked up into Pinocchio's eyes. Shall we begin? Jasper! Oh, Hurry, my knee! Stab him! Master Jiminy, they're trying to die, you fucker! Atticus grabbed the oh. knife out of the doorman's knee and stuck it deep through the middle of his throat. Jiminy turned his attention from Pinocchio towards the dark awning of the Ferris wheel ticket booth. He could see nothing. Doorman? Now, Pinocchio! And without hesitation, Pinocchio, still hovering upside down in the air, snatched up the red cricket beneath him and held onto him with all his might. Now, Pepper, now! I love you, Father! I love you, son! I'm so fucking sorry for this little dude! The hemp doll pulled the trigger and fire sprayed across the street with a heat and light so great it lit up the darkness as if it were the day. What? In the moment when the fire got him, Pinocchio could see Atticus helping Jasper off the ground. He was missing a large portion of his shoulder, chest, and arm, and he could see that Pepper had turned his head, unable to watch. No. And as the fire began to eat at the wood that was the puppet's own flesh and bone, Pinocchio laid eyes on his father, still pinned against the glass. And though he couldn't hear it over the roar of the fire, Pinocchio could swear his father's lips said, I will find you, son. The burning puppet could feel the suspension of gravity relaxing. His father began to slide down the pane of glass the cricket had slammed him against. An odd, hot smoke began to fill the puppet's insides, and Pinocchio could feel a light vibration within his very core. The more he burned, the more the vibration grew. The cricket, imprisoned between Pinocchio's clasped wooden fists, struggled and screamed as the fire burned through the puppet's fingers, and the vibration hummed loudly inside them both. It hurts, Pinocchio thought as the blue in his eyes melted off, dripping to the ground in a mess of boiling heat. And then, suddenly, a calm, soft release fell over Pinocchio as the orange-red fire turned bright white, and then, nothing but peace and serenity. Turn it off! Turn it off! The wooden puppet's body fell to the ground, smoking, sizzling, his hands still clasped together. Did it work? I, I don't know. The old man hobbled quickly over to where Pinocchio's body still lay. Geppetto picked up the wooden puppet's burned hands and carefully, slowly, he opened them. Well? Did it work, Geppetto? Inside Pinocchio's scorched, lifeless hands lay the remains of a dead, red cricket. It worked. Atticus and Jasper hugged triumphantly. Pepper set down the torching device and walked over to the old man, who put his old hands beneath his puppet's burnt head. He cradled his son's remains in his arms and stood. And when he did, he could see the thousands of other souls standing in the darkness, led by Pandora and Oscar, who were just now arriving on the scene. I told them to get the others, that they should bear witness to this, to what your son did for our kind. Thank you, Pepper, for doing that. Honestly, 
I'm just glad we pulled it off, because if we hadn't, it would have been pretty fucking embarrassing. The old man stood before every lost soul who'd found their way to Pleasure Island by Daudry's doing, or by their own. And he said to them, Let it be known what happened here tonight. Your lives are worth more than the sum of all the pleasure of this island. Whether it is your first incarnation, your fourth, or your one hundredth. You cannot waste your time when you are here. You can make a difference. You can right wrongs and slay the devil. You can live real lives. Pandora, who could see Pinocchio's transformed body by the unfair brightness of the moonlight breaking through the dark clouds, sadly, slowly moved towards Geppetto, who lowered his son's body to the ground. And you can love one another. Pandora knelt beside Pinocchio's body and cried. Oscar, whose arm was around Miriam, stepped behind Pandora. Atticus helped Jasper over to the crowd that was beginning to circle around the burned wooden puppet. This was the gift my son gave you. Geppetto hobbled slowly away and stood next to Daudry's dead body. He looked down at him and remembered the good doctor's last words. I just lost my way. How true for some. Perhaps we are all born with goodness, but by the strings of our makers, we're pulled one way or another. And just as soon as the moon broke free of the clouds, the old man saw that the rim of the world grew blue with the morning fast approaching on the island. Standing beside him, twisting together a bit of his own stuffing and lighting it, was Pepper. The two of them looked out at the sea. He's still in there, you know. The cricket. Trapped in my son's old body like a prisoner. We should give him to the sirens. They'll keep it safe. Pepper looked up at the old man, whose face was screwed up with sadness. I'll help you find him, Geppetto. I will. I'll spend the rest of my life if that's what it takes. So will I, sir. Me too. We'll do whatever it takes. We'll find him, Geppetto. He's out there somewhere, but we'll find him. Geppetto turned and could see all of Pinocchio's friends behind him. Jasper, Atticus, Oscar, Lilith, Miriam, and Pandora, all of them looking up at the old man's good eye. And for the first time since he'd finished Pinocchio's nose only a few days ago, the old man's face stretched its sagging wrinkles into a warm, loving smile. Very well. You shall all live with me, if you like. I'll need help completing Pinocchio's new, new home. I cannot make as I once could, but perhaps I can teach you my trade, my talent. Chapter 15. An Epilogue, or How It Was That Geppetto Taught Them How to Make. The snow had melted in the town where Geppetto lived. Green buds began to bulge from the earth sporadically, peppering the thawing gray ground with the hint of new life. The sun, it seemed, had a profound eagerness that day as it shed its golden light in a warm summer way. And one of the many people touched by its beautiful, soothing rays was a familiar young face walking down Main Street. Carlo stopped at the sight of Geppetto's house and felt a stinging in his face, which had healed since the old man had pulverized it so many months ago. And as he stood there, Carlo also felt a sickness charging through his guts. We were awful to that poor man, the young boy thought. 
And as he stared at the old, decrepit shack that was Geppetto's home, he thought he could hear something from inside that he hadn't heard before. Laughter. Curiosity, the very stuff that makes us human, got the best of young Carlo, who was now creeping quietly and carefully toward Geppetto's home. The young boy snuck onto the porch and peeked in through the broken slat of the window. And what young Carlo saw next made his eyes grow twice their natural size. What the? Inside the old man's workshop were all kinds of strange dolls hard at work, building marionettes. He could see a cloth doll sawing up large wedges of wood with a female leather doll in a wheelchair. At the work table, receiving freshly sawed wood, were two ceramic dolls, a boy and a girl, who looked somewhat alike, who were sanding down the bark and passing them onto a glass doll and a marionette girl, who began whittling these pieces of wood into arms or legs or heads or torsos. And then there was a little brownish blonde doll smoking a cigarette that smelled funnier than most cigarettes, looking at a large paper with blueprints on it. Carlo, amazed, jammed his face harder into the broken slat and said softly to himself, What are they? They're lost souls, Carlo. Carlo's eyes, this narrator thought, could not get any wider. But when he heard the old man's voice behind him, the young boy's eyes tripled in diameter. Carlo turned slowly, guiltily around, his face as red as the fire in the sun. Geppetto stood tall before him, carrying a bundle of fresh wedges of wood. I'm sorry, sir. I didn't mean no harm. Well, where's your friend? Um, uh, uh, what was his name? Manny? Yes, sir. He's, he's not my friend anymore, sir. Geppetto. Pardon, sir? <laughs> Stop calling me sir, boy. My name's Geppetto. And I can see you've already met my new friends in there. Perhaps they'd like to meet you. The young boy turned and looked back through the slat and then back at the old man. You said they were lost souls? Well, they're not so lost now, but, well, they're, they're children, just like you. Geppetto held out some of the burden he carried to suggest that Carlo help him carry it inside. Well, here, uh, yeah, take some of this, will you? You know anything about carpentry, Carlo? Not much, no. Would you like to? You're not going to hurt me, are you? The old man cocked his head as if to suggest he were seriously debating the question. And then <laughs> Geppetto smiled oh, jokingly. Of course not, Carlo. Just don't throw any more damn snowballs at me and you got yourself a deal. Come on in. Let me introduce you. Friends, friends, this is Carlo. Hey, Carlo! Carlo. Well, go on, introduce yourselves. Uh, hello, Carlo, I'm Oscar. I'm Lilith. I'm her brother, Jasper. Hey, I'm Atticus. And I'm Miriam. Hi, Carlo, I'm Pandora. Hey there, dude, I'm Pepper. Do you wanna hit? Pepper, I told you, no smoking in the house. Buzzkill, Geppetto, total buzzkill. So, so what are you all doing in here? Well, Carlo, why don't you have a seat, and I'll tell you all about it. Inside the old man's house, new life was taking shape. A young boy by the name of Carlo sat by the fire and listened to the lost souls tell their stories. Pepper stepped outside, however, to finish his funny-smelling cigarette and looked out at the street. 
The old man they called Geppetto had taught his new friends his trade, his talent, and all of them committed their new lives to learning it, for it gave them hope that one day they would find the soul of the boy they had known as Pinocchio, but who the old man, Geppetto, had only known as his son. Once upon a time, there was a king. No, no, there wasn't. There was no king, for there was no governing rule beyond one's own conscience. There was, however, a very, very sad, sad carpenter by the name of Geppetto. You have been listening to Chatterbox Audio Theater's production of Pinocchio, Book Three, Fathers and Sons, featuring Katie Kalaherka as your narrator, Mark Robbins as Geppetto, Manon Halliburton as Jiminy Cricket and Song, Natalie Licardello as Pepper, David Fritz as the Doorman and Socrates, Becca Scott as Pinocchio, Matt Rapport as Dr. Kenneth Daudry, Greg Brostrom as Creed, Izzy Baldwin as Jasper and Siren Number 3, Mark Thomas as Atticus, Aaron Preston as Pandora, Dan Hilliker as Oscar, Jessica Franz as Lilith, Pete Weber as Bandit, Dina Kirschenbaum as Miriam, Emily Peterson as Carlo and Siren Number Two, Molly Spear as Siren Number One. Additional roles by Natalie Licardello, David Fritz, Greg Brostrom, Matt Rapport, Izzy Baldwin, Mark Thomas, Dan Hilliker, Jessica Franz, Pete Weber, and Dina Kirschenbaum. Original music composed by Aaron Preston. Music performed by Aaron Preston and Daniel Ernest. The Siren Song, composed by Emily Peterson and Izzy Baldwin. Sound effects by Merlin James Alexander Salisbury and Joe Concha. Produced by Joe Concha and Merlin James Alexander Salisbury. Original text by Carlo Collati. Adapted and directed by Kyle Hatley. This is your announcer, Emily Peterson. Chatterbox Audio Theater is a nonprofit web-based community theater that advances the exchange of ideas by channeling creativity and artistic collaboration into recorded audio works that enlighten, entertain, and inspire. Download all our shows, meet our cast and crew, and make a donation to support our work at www.chatterboxtheater.org. You're tuned into Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is all things horror on Tuesday Terrors. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day, or find Tuesday Terrors in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. <laughs>